Yes, welcome in Saturday Night Billsology. What is going on, Bills Mafia? I am one of your hosts, DM3. Find me on Twitter, DM3 underscore BIB. If you like my blazing hot takes or if you just want me to defend Josh Allen and you guys love that, check that out. And the guy to my left, we switched places this week. He's been gone for a week, so we, he's, you know, hopscotching around. That guy, A Rich, you can find him on Twitter at KingRich underscore 987. A Rich, what's going on, man? How you living? A Rich, Akeem Richens. If you don't know us by now, please get to know us. This is Built in Buffalo on a beautiful, beautiful Saturday evening. And I'm doing lovely. I'm back doing what I love to do most, and that's talking about our Buffalo Bills. Because later on this year or early next year, I expect us to hoist that Lombardi trophy. So how you doing, DM3? I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good, man. All right. It's glad to have you back last week. If you guys didn't have a chance to check our show talking about the new stadium uh, I did with Caveman. He filled in for Averis last week, did an awesome job. Show's gotten over a 1,000 views, so thank you guys that for everybody that's watched that. We have a lot of the normal suspects are already filling up the chat. Uh, Chris Janke, what's going on? NFL Shorts, what's going on? Sheldon Cole, Brent Thompson, uh, Charles Couples, Mark Kleinfelder, Marcus Warren, Jeff Pinkston. What's going on, guys? We have an absolutely loaded show. Um, and this this was going to be a show. It was going to be a collab with the Hump Day Hotline guys from Buffalo Rumbling. Some things came up, so we had to. Um, we're going to push that off to the side for for now. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it though. We'll do it soon. Um, we'll have that collab with those guys, um, good friends of the brand. So we have a lot to talk about. We have a yes. lot of stuff going on in the news. A lot of things happening with the Buffalo Bills. Um, this show, we're going to talk about wide receivers. I know we did an offense part one and part two show, um, but we kind of were quick with each positional group as we've been going along. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to kind of break out and do some of the positional groups and spend a whole show on it because I think it's mm-hmm. worth talking about. Let's talk 716 Sports. What's going on? Why? What's going on, guys? Um, so the way we start every show, if you guys are new to the show, first off, smash the like button. Second off, thank you for watching. Uh, third off, if you're watching on Facebook, share. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe. And if you're watching on Twitter, retweet this, like it, drop some comments, do all that good stuff. Um, if you guys are new to the show, like I said, thank you for finding us. We start yes. out the show each and every week the same way, and that is... So we kind of get you guys up to up to speed on some things that happened, uh, you know, this past week in Buffalo, one Bills drive in with the Buffalo Bills. A lot of this stuff is going to be all Bills related. Um, some other things, once you see, once we'll get there, we'll, we'll probably have to stop and talk about it for a minute because it's national media stuff. And it's always fun to poke, uh, poke Big Brother, which is the national media. So first and foremost, unfortunate Brian Cox. Junior placed on IR with an Achilles injury. Um, prayers up for this guy. It's mm-hmm. got to be tough for a guy who has busted his ass the last two seasons. Now, I don't think this is going to genuinely affect a lot of what's going on with the Bills in 2021, but it's terrible. To, it's always terrible to see once a guy gets an injury, um, especially to the magnitude of this one. So hope for a speedy recovery. Um, I know he was out there working, looked like he was doing well in training camp. So it's a depth piece. Um, so we always have to keep that in mind. And a lot of people were talking about the signings the Bills made this week, and if it was a direct correlation with that, I don't think it was. I think it was just the Bills adding some depth. 
the first guy the Bills signed, defensive tackle Eli Anku, uh, played for a plethora of teams, played for the Jaguars and some other teams. This, I believe, is strictly um, a depth move. He's a big boy. Um, I believe he can play one tech and three tech, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's got some versatility. So, hey, Rich, what's your thoughts on not just Brian Cox, but also this first signing that we, we're going to talk about here with Eli Anku? Uh, with Brian Cox, it's a, it's a very unfortunate injury for him. Uh, Brian Cox Jr., the son of Brian Cox uh, Sr., our AFC East rivals, uh, comes to the Buffalo Bills, and he flashed uh, at certain points last year in camp. And I, I liked what I was seeing with the progression from Brian, uh, Byron Cox Jr. Was he going to make the team? Probably not. But could he have been a debt piece, a practice squad piece? Probably so. And it's a very unfortunate thing when, when such a young player is trying to prove that he belongs in the NFL and he gets hurt with a significant injury like an, an Achilles. So hopefully he can come back better than ever, stronger than ever. But that is definitely a tough injury to come from. Uh, moving on to the signing of the defensive tackle. Uh, that's a debt piece, right? That's another debt piece. And we have to think about uh, what struggles the Buffalo Bills had last season. The Buffalo Bills struggled to get to the quarterback. The Buffalo Bills struggled in the trenches against physicality. The Buffalo Bills struggled against uh, good rushing attacks offensively. So we have to get as much pieces on that defensive line as we possibly can and have a big competition. And hopefully competition makes diamonds and we get the best players available to play for our defensive line. And hopefully it will be an upgrade as opposed to last year. I agree. And then the other, the other defensive tackle that we signed, you know, Nazir Jones, this guy's a former third round pick um, played with the Seahawks for two seasons. Um, I, I, I think this guy's going to push some guys a little bit more than an Anku will. Um, but again, these are the types of signings I think we're going to see from now until, you know, late July, early August, right before preseason, when they're trying to, you know, either get guys off of other teams once the practice squads are assembled or when they're trying to just fill guy, find guys off the street that maybe can come in and, and help keep the competition going either within on the practice squad or during practice. So what's your, what's your thoughts on, on Nazir Jones? Uh, Nazir, Nazir Jones, third round pick. That's a high selection, right? Former third round pick signed now with the Buffalo Bills, uh, selected as high as he was in that draft. I believe, uh, I forget what year he came out, but getting signed and uh, as high as he did, you would expect him to be on the team. You wouldn't expect a third round pick to get released uh, the way that he did as soon as he did. So we hope that a change of scenery could be the best case scenario for Nazir Jones and he can he can play up to his third round potential. But again, that's a debt piece. And us as a Buffalo Bills organization is trying to find the right pieces collectively to play on that defensive line. Great uh, great question from why. Any of the DT sign play one tech? I believe Anku is is versatile. I think he I don't think he plays specifically one tech, but I think he can. Um because if you look at how Starr came in to camp, you know, remarkable shape. He doesn't look like he's that star of the past that would be the whole stuffer, right? The, the take on two blocks guys. He looks like he's trying to be a lot more athletic, which if you look at a lot of the guys on the line this year, that looks like they've gotten 
you know, look at Mario Addison, right? Mario Addison came in. He's he's in probably the best shape I've, I've ever seen him. And there has to have been a message sent in the offseason, whether it be the coaching staff, Sean McDermott, defensive line coach, what have you, saying, hey, we need to be fast and physical on the, on, on the defensive line. I don't care what position you play. So uh, it's going to be interesting because after star – one tech's kind of thin, right? I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of thin after star. I mean, Vernon Butler plays one tech, but, you know, last year they were asking, you know, Quentin Jefferson and, and, and Ed Oliver to play one tech because of star's absence because he opted out. So it's going to be nice to have him back, and I think that we're going to have overall a lot more athletic defensive line that is going to be affecting the quarterback. What's, what's your thoughts? I don't want to spend a whole bunch of time on the defensive mm-hmm. line, but what's, what's your thoughts overall on, on just kind of what I what I touched on with these how these guys came into camp, the shape that they're in? Uh, I, I think you're absolutely right. Mario Addison came in, and he looks amazing compared to last year, right? If we can call a spade a spade, Mario Addison looked like a goddamn defensive tackle last season, right? He had that yeah. belly. It was it was kind of obvious. Like this guy, you're playing DE. You don't look like a DE. You look like a three tech defensive tackle. So it was good to see him come and and and, and look how he looked. He now looks apart. He now looks like a defensive end. AJ Epinesa now looks like he has his weight under control. Right. So he looks amazing as well. And as far as who's going to play one technique, the one technique besides Star, I think guys we have to look at also is is a guy like Justin Zimmer and Harrison Phillips. Harrison Phillips has that versatility to play between the one and the three techniques. So we're going to see what type of training camp these guys or the other guys, I call them, uh, the Harrison Phillips of the world, the Justin Zimmers of the world. We're going to see how these guys can progress in camp and if they can give us an uptick in terms of being a backup one tech uh, defensive tackle. I mean, great comment from Jason Taylor. This is, I think that, if there's some pressure on some guys, not a lot of people are talking about. There's some pressure on Harrison Phillips now, being a third round draft pick. You know, you're not having that pressure of being a first round pick or a high second round pick. But he came up. He came off the injury. He he showed some flashes last year. But I think this is a guy that we need to have take this take a step that not a lot of people are talking about. We're all talking about Ed Oliver. We're all talking about Mario Addison. We're talking about AJ Epinesa. But I think this is a guy that needs to contribute, and he needs to contribute early. And and I think that that will go, that will speak paramounts to the depth of this team, right? We're talking about Harrison Phillips, right? He's right. He's an absolute rotational depth guy, and we're talking about him. So and um, think about I, and, and think about historically. I'm gonna say this, and then we move on. Think about historically about the ACL injury. Historically, players play better the second year removed from the injury as opposed absolutely. to the first year. So I definitely expect. Harrison Phillips to to show flashes that he's shown before he got hurt last year uh, with the ACL injury. So Harrison Phillips, he does have some pressure on him, but it's going to be a big year. And I have all the uh, the faith in the world in Harrison Phillips that he could come back into form and give the Bills something, an uptick uh, in that defensive line. Yeah, he he looks ready to go. And and I think one one underlining thing that not a lot of people are talking about with the return of Star Latulale is he's not going to just blow people away, I don't think, with what he does because that's just not the one-tech position that he plays. But what it's going to do is it's going to have us keep our eye on other players, right, like at mm-hmm. Oliver, because he's now going to be back playing a position he's going to be more comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, they're going to be able to do more things because we have that run 
stuffing, take on two blocks, um, defensive linemen. So I think we're going to be able to keep our eyes on some other crucial players. Maybe that took a little bit of a dip last year. Um, and let me let me ask you this too: How much do you think last off season and how weird it was? With you know, it was the first off season with the pandemic and stuff like that affected guys you talk about mario addison coming in out of shape it looked like he was kind of as big as he's ever been in his career um and the play of some of the other guys how much do you think that affected you know what these guys did in the off season to get ready for the season knowing that there was no you know structured organized program for these guys because mario addison didn't go to otas mm. there was no otas last year Right. Mm-hmm. But then when he showed up for mandatory minicamp, it was like, holy shit. Like, dude, mm-hmm. you're, you're ready to go. Like, you look mm-hmm. like you've gotten lean and mean. Like, what, what's mm-hmm. your what's your thoughts on all that? So initial thoughts, right? Pandemic uh, situations change in the NFL. So if situation change, uh, certain things that you're accustomed to has no choice but to change in terms of scheduling and training camps and OTAs. So I you I would understand the excuse, but the reason why I don't buy that is because everybody in the NFL had to deal with it. All 32 teams had to deal with this same pandemic. All 32 teams, all 400 plus players had to deal with these same issues. So since everybody had to deal with these issues as one, I can't make it an excuse for our Buffalo Bills. So that's just how I feel about that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think we were all pretty quick to say, well, there was no OTAs. There was no, you know, it was a condensed training camp. There was no mandatory mini camp. There was no preseason. So, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on defense, but there's this year there's no excuse for McDermott's defense to not return to form of 2019, 18, 17. You know, there, there's just not. I mean, there's just too many – positive things that they've done to this roster in the offseason with the 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 two pieces they added in the draft um mm-hmm. having guys healthy you know mm-hmm. having star come back so it's going to be fun it's going to be fun to see you know if this like and i said it last week if we get a top three defense and the offense is even if it's 90 percent of what it was last year as far as putting up points putting up yards scoring touchdowns this team is going to be pretty unstoppable. That's not me being a homer. That's just the the key piece last year was that the offense was so far ahead of the defense as far as just performing up until like week 12 when the defense started to come on. Um, I know injuries took a toll, but it's just going to be, it's going to be great to watch. It's going to be awesome to watch. Hopefully we can stay healthy. So, all right, the next couple images I'm going to show you, I went to war on, Twitter about defending one and going off on another. The first one I'm going to show you is Chris Sims, who I absolutely enjoy. I listened to him because he played the position of quarterback. He's extremely educated. He tells you things that you don't really often think about um, unless you're like a diehard scout and you know, you and all you do is watch film 24 seven. But if you're a guy like me who, watches a ton of film and does stuff like that. And you listen to him and then you, you equate things differently. Um, so Pat Mahomes, number one, I don't think anybody's going to, is not, is not okay or is not going to agree with that. Patrick Mahomes is 
the best quarterback in the NFL. What do you think, Akeem? Right. You agree with that? I mean, is Rice White? <laughs> you know, so uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes. Now, don't wait. get me wrong. I I love my guy Josh Allen, but wait. Patrick Mahomes is obviously the man right now. <laughs> wait, you said what? Is Rice White? What? 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 <laughs> that's I'm sorry, that's funny. You know what's the funny <laughs> shit? I just what? had some I just had some brown rice like a half an hour ago. See? Like <laughs> oh, man, I don't even know. I don't even know what to do. But Mahomes right, definitely. So, <laughs> so I think if you look at the five in this group, right? Some people would probably throw Brady in there just because of what he did last year. I mean, if you look statistically at what Brady did last year, it was pretty pretty remarkable. Yes, he's got a he's got weapons all over, but so does Mahomes, so does Allen, so does Rodgers, right? So Allen came in at number two. Rodgers is number three. Deshaun Watson's number four. Russell Wilson's number five. I have absolutely no issues with that list at all. But the Lamar Jackson fans of the world and the Baltimore Ravens people came out of the woodwork. The people saying, how could you put Josh ahead of the guy that won the MVP? Why is the MVP not number one? All this stuff. So, I have a clip from his actual podcast where he said he he explained why he put Josh number two over Aaron Rodgers and why Josh was so high on the list. So for all the viewers out there, peep this. All the m- plays Josh Allen makes. It's it's unbelievable. When you go back and watch it, I mean, you certainly could argue that Josh Allen was the MVP of football last year. You certainly could. I mean, again, a team with no running system. He was second on their team in rushing. You know, you got to add his eight touchdown rushes to the mix, too, because it's a big part of what they do. When they get in the six, seven-yard line, they ask Josh Allen to score touchdowns, running right. the ball. And, you know, he made more game-changing, game-saving, unbelievable plays than maybe any. More game-changing, game-winning, game-saving plays than any other quarterback in the NFL. That's why Josh Allen's ranked number two. So give me your thoughts on the list. I'm going to put the list back up here. And then I don't want to say, hey, give me your top five, because I don't think we got enough time for that, because me and you will probably – we can go on two hours for just about that. So give me – are you are you okay with this? And if you're not, what would you change just between these top five? I love the top five the way it is. <laughs> I love this top five the way it is. Josh Allen at number two, in my opinion, is accurate. Aaron Rodgers is great. Aaron Rodgers had a career year last year, and that speaks volumes for Aaron Rodgers, right? But he also has one of the best receivers in the NFL, if not the best receiver in the NFL. He also had an excellent running game. A lot of people could argue that uh, Aaron Jones is a top 10, possibly a top five running back in this NFL. He also has an excellent offensive line. So when you have all those things, a lot of people like to say, well, Stefan Diggs has a lot to do with Josh Allen, our progression. Well, what about Devontae Adams and the a great offensive line and a great running game? Don't you think that has a lot to do <laughs> with the yeah. quarterback's progression, even if it's Aaron Rodgers? So when you think, when you put those things in perspective, now when you come in and you look at Josh Allen and you see uh, liabilities at the tight end position, liabilities running the ball efficiently, uh, 
uh, some suspect holes within the offensive line. When you take those things into account and then you combine that with the with the total overall progression that Josh Allen's made from year one to year three, it's a no-brainer that Josh Allen is the second-best quarterback in this NFL. And we know why Lamar Jackson isn't in the top five. He has limitations as a passer. What he did as an MVP a couple of years ago was a couple of years ago. So that's just how I feel about Josh Allen and the Lamar Jackson situation. I do feel that he's a top 10 quarterback, but he's not a top five quarterback. The, the year that Lamar was MVP, how many passing yards did he have? I believe he had 27, 2,900 passing yards. It, oh, he threw 36 touchdowns. How many of those were screen passes inside the five-yard line, 10-yard line? I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't like the constant comparison. I understand it because they're both from the 2018 draft class. They're both extremely athletic, polarizing quarterbacks, but – I posted something on Twitter and I said, Hey, are we going to compare these guys forever? And until one of them gets a ring, I think that's the only way that's going to, that we're not going to compare these guys. So, yeah. all right. Some other stuff coming out of Buffalo. Cause we're going to get the show back on track. Um, red helmets are an, are an option for 2022. Ooh. I'm just going to leave this here for a minute and shout out to my guy, the Kyle CYR. If you guys don't follow him, he does a bunch of Jersey swaps on Instagram. He's on Twitter as well. Um, I posted this one on our Instagram page. It blew up. It was different than the one everybody else was putting out there, which was also of Josh Allen. But I just like this one because it's that's that cool, methodical stare from Josh, just ready to go tear some shit up. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about this? Do you like that one, or do you like the standing Buffalo helmet as an alternative? Which one do you like better? That red that that red helmet looks sexy, man. Look at it's that, got a white man. face mask too. Ooh, ooh, that that's just sexy. Now, can you picture a visor on that with Josh Allen? We see how Stop sexy it. Josh looks with a visor. Now, combine the visor with the red helmet. Ooh, I would love it. That's something that will. Always- <laughs> oh, that's hot. That's hot. Hey, I who did you off? You- I apologize. No, that's fine. Who did you who did you say make make uh, made that graphic? Uh, it was the Kyle CYR on Kyle, Instagram. Yeah. Kyle CYR. I would love to see that graphic with a visor because that's an amazing graphic. Yeah. I I actually found this last year. He put this mm. out last year um, in the off season when, you know, there's not a lot going on on social media. And th- this this thing's ridiculous. Like, yeah, I don't I don't know. I love the standing Buffalo. Like, I feel like that logo on a shirt or a hat or whatever I feel like is, is a little bit better than the the regular bills logo, but that red helmet, I mean, it's, it is what it is. Now people are taking it a little extreme. They're talking about doing that with the color rush. Mm. I think we would just look like a bunch of power Rangers running around. That's possible. I I think that's taking it too much. I think if you go old school bills, blue jerseys with a couple stripes on the side, like this picture right here, I think that's, I think we're in business. I think we're in business. All right. So Love before it. I completely lose the show and everybody just wants to talk about the red jerseys, I, I just it's crazy because for like years, that's all everybody's been talking about is that we need the red helmets. First, it was the white face masks. And now it's this. They're, they're just the NFL is just trying to figure out what fans want and they're absolutely figuring it out. So yes. one last thing, um, and I'm starting to kind of not be happy with my subscription, my my elite subscription to PFF because of what they've been putting out the last. I swear they're just trolling Bill's Mafia at this point. 
right? Josh was ranked 40 and Diggs was ranked 45. And as you see the notations I put on the graphic, A.J. Brown was ranked higher. I believe he was 38, if I'm not mistaken. So as me and you discussed how we were going to kind of dive into this graphic right here before we came live. Yep. Give me your, if you're PFF, give me why you would rank Stefan Diggs 45th. Don't tell me if you agree with it yet or not, but tell me why you think that they could possibly do something as atrocious as rank him the 45th best player in the NFL. It, it, it is atrocious, and I don't see how, in my opinion, the number one wide receiver in the NFL is the 45th best player, according to PFF. It's just, it's just mind-boggling. But when I try, to, when I try to, to give benefits of the doubt, because I try to look at both sides of the spectrum uh, in, everything, in everything that I do or everything that I see, and I believe PFF... It's not just about receiving. I think we're looking at receivers, receiving, catching the ball, touchdowns, yards, receptions. I think PFF puts everything in the totality. I believe they put their receiving, the catches, the receptions, also uh, uh, running, running. Uh, when, when, uh, when the running backs running the ball, how successful are they run blocking? I think run blocking grades and those type of different metrics come into play as well and when you put those type of metrics into play that is possibly the reason why pff has them ranked 45th but as a natural receiver if you're just if you're just uh, judging him based on what he does <laughs> he should be ranked much higher i mean sheldon has a great point like to, to what akeem was talking about and, and how they grade like so if 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 Everyone here doesn't know how PFF works. They, they they watch every play from every player from every snap of every game, right? And then they grade what they're supposed to do on the play. If the play was designed to do certain things, like what the outcome was, if it was X, Y, Z, right? And to, to Sheldon's point, lack of touchdowns could be the only reason why because they would grade higher if, they, if he caught more touchdowns. Well, Stephon Diggs, if you watch, he does all the shit in between, you know, in between the 20s, right? He does all the dirty work to get the team in position to score touchdowns, which to me I feel like is something that's not spoken about enough. And I've said it three, four times now on on one of our shows that he like does to. all the he does all the dirty work. Right. Now, I I would like to, and you're you're absolutely right, hundred percent agree. And I, I I would like to uh, rebuttal that Sheldon Cole statement. First of all, first off, let's let's think about AJ Brown and Stefan Diggs because AJ Brown is higher the last two years, AJ Brown, because he's been in the NFL two years. He has 122 receptions, uh, 2126 yards, 19 touchdowns. That's two years. 122, 2126 yards, 19 TDs. Stefan Diggs, 190 receptions, 2665 yards, 14 TDs. Five TD, five TDs difference. And if we're on the subject of touchdowns, why was Julio Jones ever ranked amongst the elites of elites if we're if it's if it's touchdowns? Because right. if you look at Julio Jones' career, 2020, even uh injury riddle season, he had three touchdowns. 2019, he had six touchdowns, 2018, he had eight touchdowns, 2017, uh Julio Jones had three touchdowns, 2016, he had six touchdowns. Julio Jones. Doesn't get in the end zone, but he's constantly <laughs> listed as an elite wide receiver, the best wide receiver in the game right. if he's not hurt, right? 
So I don't think touchdowns, I don't think that should be the end-all, be-all because it doesn't uh, fit with Julio Jones. So it can't fit with Stephon Diggs. I, I agree with you a thousand percent. So that is going to be it for this week's version of this week in Buffalo. Um, we're going to, we're going to get to wide receivers and we're going to spend a ton of time on it. I promise. Um, if you guys are new to the show, these are the segments we like to do. I, I think it's fun because not a lot of our, our fans that watch on YouTube, you know, follow the bills all over social media, like Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, whatever. So we try to keep you guys up to date on what's going on. We just kind of like to dive into um, everything that's going on. Um, so my favorite segment of the show is someone keeps telling me that those are pigeons. I understand it's the only bird I can find that was animated for a graphic, but I think yeah. it's cool. Um, so first one we got here. Players have until 4 p.m. July 2nd to inform teams if they're going to opt out. Um, they changed the rules this year. The higher-risk players, obviously, with uh, have health risks, $350,000 stipend. Um, and then last year it was one fifty. So they've increased it this year. Uh, I don't foresee a lot of players. Again, We, I don't think we've anybody could look in the future last year and think that Star was going to opt out. So I don't know. Every every person is is a human being and they have their own situations a lot of times we don't know about what what's going on so hey rich you think that there's going to be an average amount of players opting out across the league you think it's going to come down drastically because of all the protocols they're putting in place what's your, what's your thoughts and i don't want to spend too much time on this now i now now correct me and people in the comment section correct me if i sound too hot and sound too harsh this shouldn't even be an option this year this right here, this whole opt out and you have this till July 2nd, this should not even be an option. Let's go ahead and play football. If you don't want to play football, you don't get paid. Plain and simple. Because we went through the worst of the worst already. So it's it's going to get better oh, uh, as long as we continue to pray and continue to do the right thing and and prop and follow proper protocol. Uh it's going to get better. So in my opinion, this shouldn't even be an option. Oh, that's hot. That's hot. You got you got you got two already. Yeah, I missed yeah, you. Yeah. I wasn't able to I wasn't able to do it for a couple weeks. So all right. So and I, I agree with what you're saying. I think that the worst is behind us. I'm not saying that it's not an issue. I'm not saying that mm-hmm. don't pay attention to it and all that stuff. And I don't want to turn the show into stuff about you know all that. So uh we'll move on. All right. So this will be a fun one for the comment section too. Um, in the chat, which game? This came from One Bills Live. Which game do you do the Bills have to win the most? Uh, Chiefs rematch, Brady Bucks, the home opener versus Steelers, Patriots Monday Night Football, Thanksgiving versus the Saints, Titans Monday Night Football, or any other one. Hey, Rich, I'll get you first, and then I'll uh, I'll let the comment section put their game in there. Which one do you think they have to win the most? So the politically correct answer would would be all of them. Right, you want to win. <laughs> you want to win cheating. all your games. That's cheating. You you, you want to win all your games is a load of AFC. But for psychological reasons, for the psyche of the Buffalo Bills, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs beat us twice last year. They be, I believe they beat us the season before that. 
Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills, Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, the whole entire Buffalo Bills organization have to go out and prove that they can indeed play with and beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Because if we lose again, players are humans. That thought is going to start to come into mind and ponder, can we really beat this goddamn team? Do this team really have our number? And if the players will do that, us as fans will also speculate that as well, right? So the most important game out of the ones that you listed is definitely the rematch with the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, I'm going to put it up there again for the comment section and you guys in the chat. I want everybody to give their their opinions. Which one of these games, or is it another game, that you think is the most important? Have to win. Got to have it. Um, again, this this is, I think... I agree with you. I feel like we need to get that. We need to get the monkey off our back, which is the Kansas city chiefs. And we need to take a shot at the NFL and let everybody know that, Hey, we've learned, we've grown and we've gotten better. And the only way to do that is to beat the team that has beaten you the last two times you played. Mm -hmm. One was in the AFC championship game. And Mm -hmm. the game, the game from a lot of people's perspective and mine included, I don't feel like the final score of that game was, was anywhere near how the how that game was played out. The Bills put Correct. up some some garbage time points and some yards late. Correct. Um, I I just don't think we had an answer for anything that they did either offensively or defensively. So it's a new season. Hopefully we can um, we can learn from that and move and move forward. And Sean McDermott has has said multiple times that he's he's been thinking about the Kansas City Chiefs since the game ended, and he hasn't stopped. Um, you got to think too. You know, coming from working for Andy Reid, he wants to beat, you know, the mentor. He wants to be that guy that can be one step up on his, the guy that groomed him to become, a, you know, eventually a head coach. Correct. So, all right, let me, let me hit the comment section because you guys are, you guys got him coming in. Uh, let's see. Sheldon Cole Homeowner set the tone 27 10. I do like that take. Um, we talked about it in the past, you know, and we'll probably touch on it again when me and Rich do our schedule predictions here upcoming, you know, in the next couple of weeks. Um, the Bills came out flat against the Jets. That game was not was not. I mean, we had now we had a couple linebackers get injured in that game. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what Josh was was going to be in, in that game. Through for ended up throwing for three hundred yards, but that was if the Bills play the Jets in week 14, 15, 16, 17, it, they're putting fifty on them. So. I, li- I like the point Sheldon makes here that coming out hot would be nice. Would be a nice way to start the season. Um, somebody agrees. He's got to win the first one. Uh, like you said, but but like you said, we didn't know Josh Allen would take that type of leap in progression. We didn't know. Yeah. We didn't know the Buffalo Bills would be this type of Buffalo Bills. I think coming into this season, we have more of our identity now, right? We know what Josh Allen is. We know what we are. So I fully expect us to come out opening day, set that tone, and definitely go ahead and and beat down the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, We are the Chiefs to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we're going to prove that week one. Three times in a row. This would be if we beat them week one, that's the third time in a row. So, um, you know, I I was thinking about something that our guy Justice said. He runs our Twitter page. And every... He watches a ton of film on Josh because he's always looking to make to make highlight clips and stuff. But every eight games since 2018, Josh gets better, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that 
the Jets game, he was still a little bit of 2019, Josh, but things were still starting to work in the right direction towards what he did against Miami, over 400 yards. But then the second half of the season, the last eight games, Josh was the best player in football. And and I'll argue that and pound the table on that. I don't I don't care. I'll, I'll pound the table that Josh was not just the best quarterback, but the best player in football for what he meant to his team. He was carrying the team when we had no running game. He was he was the the offense for the last eight games of the season, going up against top five defenses, and he was shredding them. So um, I'm gonna hit some more of this comment section here. I'm getting way behind. Um, holy cow, you guys are are I'm way behind you guys. Arich, too. If you see some, let me know too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll start. I'll uh, some start. people agreeing with. I see some people agreeing about the Chiefs. Um, mm-hmm. All jokes aside, I agree. Chiefs are the team to beat in the AFC. We beat them. We're Super Bowl bound. I agree with that. Most definitely. I like that. AFC is tough this year. And once we do, when we do our schedule breakdown, the AFC is tough this year. It's not just the Bills that have gotten better. The Browns, the Ravens are there, the Chargers, the Titans, the Colts. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Patriots will be better. They're, I don't think they can oversee the, the Bills. The Dolphins are going to be better. So mm-hmm. our guy Dan Kelly dropping in, just dropping some love. Appreciate that, Dan. Dan's got a pot of drops on Sunday called Icy Mikes. If you guys haven't listened, give it a listen because it's pretty good. So, all right, next tweet. I think we should move on from that. Yep. Hundred percent capacity expected at Bills Highmark Stadium, the the Ralph Rich Stadium, Bills Stadium, whatever you want to call it. I call it the Mark. I don't know if that's going to set in with anybody. If we can get that to work, that's cool. Hey, Rich, what's your thoughts? That first game is going to be absolutely insane. People have been waiting since the season ended. You know, against you know the playoff game when we only had sixty six hundred people. We haven't had a full stadium since two thousand and nineteen. Yep. The last game of the the last home game of the season in 2019. It's been a long time. Been a long time, and it's it, it's a great for us fans as fans. You know, I know they was talking about uh, vaccinated and unvaccinated fans are allowed to attend as long as we uh, follow our proper protocol and whatever they want. I believe that it's going to be a tremendous advantage for our Buffalo Bills. We have the best fans, in my opinion, uh, all the sports. I know some college fans and, and organizations and fan bases would uh, attest to that, but the Buffalo Bills fan bases is like no other and is uh, definitely uh, uh, a, third, uh, a 12th, 13th, and 14th man. So it's, it's great news for our Buffalo Bills. And I believe Josh Allen and our Buffalo Bills have the mentality of, of relishing going on the road and shutting down and shutting up opposing fans as well. So I think... Uh, having fans in all stadiums around the NFL is going to be uh, an advantage for our Buffalo Bills. Half half of Florida is Bills Mafia, and we got to go to Tampa and Miami. So <clears throat> it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome just to see, you know, let Diggs experience this. Let these rookies that didn't get it last year. Let the rookies that are coming this year, because that's all mm-hmm. they were preached was this fan base is second to none, so they get to experience mm-hmm. it. I think it, I think it's awesome. All right, <clears throat> this one kind of th- this kind of made its way around Twitter, and I think a lot of people feel differently about this, and they can look at this certain ways. So this is based off of a tweet that came out from Bleacher Report that said 
this is the response to it that said, who's taking the Josh Allen leap? And that tweet got destroyed by Bill's Mafia. It said no one's taking the Josh Allen leap that he took from 19 to 20 because it's not he's a unicorn. This, nobody's ever seen that. It's never going to happen again. Mm-hmm. Josh mm-hmm. Allen is his own entity in the NFL. So then they came back. Bleacher Report Gridiron came back with, of these five, who's going to take the biggest leap? Tua, Baker, Darnold, Daniel Jones, Joe Burrow. Who, who you got? Now, I, I, I wouldn't put Baker Mayfield in there because I think out the five, he is the most established quarterback. He is the most polished quarterback and most successful quarterback. I and agree with take- you. I, I, I think, and I don't want to cut you off, but I, no, I, think that we, I think that we know what Baker is already. Yes. I think this is, this is what Baker is. Yes. I don't see that there's going to be any – I mean, can you get a little bit better? Yes, but I think that the system he's in – and the style that he plays, this is Baker. I think this is Baker Mayfield. Now, so so because of that, and I'm glad you put back up the list, uh, I have to go here with Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, in my opinion, yes, Daniel Jones will make the biggest leap out the five. Now, Sam Donald has Joe Brady, but now let me tell you why. The New York Giants quietly – put together a fantastic offseason for Daniel Jones. They have uh, the they signed a, a backup running back in Booker, the former Las Vegas Raider, backup running back Booker. Uh, Saquon Barkley is coming back. They have Sterling Shepard. They have Ingram. They drafted Kadarius Toney. They got uh, Galladay in free agency. They picked up John Ross. They picked up Kyle Rudolph. They have a lot yeah. of goddamn weapons over there with yeah. the New York Giants. And if everybody's always talking about why did Josh Allen make that progression? Well, Josh Allen made that progression because of Stefan Diggs and, and the receivers he got. Well, shit, the New York Giants have, in my opinion, the most weapons uh, out of all the other quarterbacks on this list. So I'm going I'm going Daniel Jones. I'm interested to hear who you got. I don't think anybody's going to like my pick. Because it's not Tua. I like Baker Mayfield, but I think we already know who he is. It's not Daniel Jones, because I don't believe in their offensive line. And I don't believe in... I love Joe Burrow, but I don't believe in his offensive line. They should have went out and got just a a ton of, of support, especially coming off that injury that ended his season last year. Sam Darnold. Really? I think that Sam Darnold has been put in a position with players around him, arguably top two running back in CMC, that is going to help. The Jets never had a run game that would help him, that that, that would keep teams honest, right? I, I just feel like the offensive-minded coach in Brady that they have in Carolina, Matt Rule, young coach, knows a lot about the college game, which Darnold just came from four years ago, or three, yeah, four seasons ago. He's very familiar with that style of play. I don't feel like he was developed properly. And mm. I think Sam Darnold was the second during the draft. We we did we all we can all go back to this, but when when me and you used to do stuff way back in the day, the one of the first lives we did was the before the 2018 draft. And Darnold was my my second guy behind Baker Mayfield. I just thought that he was NFL ready. I thought he's had an injury, right? He's been playing for Adam Gase. He's been in it, it just nothing ever worked for him 
with the Jets. He had no offensive weapons. His offensive line was terrible. He had no running game. I just think that this is the year. I, I really do. I think I like that it. this is the year he ta- he takes a step in the right direction. Of these guys, I'm not saying he'll become a top 10 quarterback. I think of these guys, he's the one that's going to take the biggest leap from where he's at currently because look where he's at currently if, if we're doing it that way. But I think Baker's already arrived. I think Baker's a top 15 quarterback. These other guys are not. I think Joe Burrow, you need to get him some protection, right? He just lost uh, A.J. Green, right? So he lost one of his most valuable weapons on offense. Mm -hmm. Um, Tua, they put a whole bunch of stuff around him, but I still don't think that he's that guy. I think he's going to be like Tyrod Taylor, and he's going to take the safe. He's not going to take – he's going to take those safe outs on passes. I I just – I mean, maybe he proves me wrong, but I don't think he's going to take the biggest leap. I think that Sam Darnold, because people are just, like, casting him aside, like – he like because of what everybody else from the 2018 draft has done, like Baker and Lamar Jackson and Josh, obviously. So I'm I'm interested to hear the 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 fans comp the the fans perspective who they have would take that biggest leap. I'm interested. Oh, to see we, there's comments. a ton. I'm I'm like super way behind in comments, and I apologize. Check um, down two. Check down two. I see that. Mm-hmm. Let me go in here in the comments myself. When you see where Tannehill was in Miami. Yeah, exactly. Like Adam Gase, right? So Sam Darnold had Adam Gase, who's supposed mm. to be this this offensive expert, and then look what I happened like when that. Tannehill left and went to Tennessee, right? I like that, Don. They mm. used. So here's the thing: you, you you get a quarterback and you figure out how to build your system around him, right? Now it may be a little tricky because Matt Rule has already started building his team, and then they took on Darnold. But there has to be a reason why they took Darnold, right? They could have drafted somebody. They could have stayed with Teddy Bridgewater. Matt Rule mm-hmm. must have liked something. Joe Brady must have liked something in Sam Darnold that was going to work in the offense that they want to run. So, mm-hmm. I like it. Honestly, I, I want to see him succeed. You know, I, I I just feel like a guy got. I mean, yeah, he played for the Jets, and we make fun of him seeing ghosts and shit like that. But I think the guy got the wrong end of the deal for three years on on, on a team that just was never going anywhere. Trade. They changed head coaches. They changed general managers. They could never mm-hmm. draft right. Like they mm-hmm. were in salary cap purgatory a few years ago because of some piss poor contracts. Mm-hmm. So I, I like know. it. I like that's, it. So you're good. so you're going the coaching route, and I'm going yeah. the, the yeah. player. I'm going the player route yes. in terms of the addition. So I, I, I like it. it. I like both. It, both and perspectives. it's nothing against Danny Dimes because I like to see him succeed because they people gave him the Josh Allen treatment. Mm-hmm. He was casted off after his first season. He throw, you know, he's he's not. He's not accurate. He he doesn't have the arm strength. You know, everybody was so in in New Jersey because that's where they played. The, the Giants was so stuck. Right. I mean, you're replacing Eli Manning. Say what you want about Eli Manning and whatever. He won two Super Bowls. So you know, he's got that legacy that he has to live up to. So all right, we're gonna move on one more here. This is something I thought was unique, and we, me and A. Rich were talking about this because it's nice to be considered. On this list, having be a fan base of a team that had a 17-year playoff drought, which means typically you, you don't have a winning record, right? I mean, besides 2014 when they were 9-7 and seven and missed the playoffs, the Bills were typically 7-9, and 8-8, 7-9, 6-10, 4-12, 5-11. This is with one year, including Rex Ryan, when the Bills were 8-8 eight eight his last year. 
So what, what's your thoughts on this? Kansas City is the number one team. So this is weeks with a winning record since 2016. Kansas City is number one, which doesn't surprise me at all, 63. What does surprise me is that out of all these teams, there's only two teams on here that have won a Super Bowl, and that's the Patriots and the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And the Bills right there, 45 weeks with a winning record. So process, process, process. So what's, what's, what's your thoughts? Uh, the Buffalo Bills are are turning their organization around, right? And Sean McDermott, it, it shows we are above mediocrity now. We've been uh, having these mediocre records for some time. We haven't been able to get over the hump, eight and eight, nine and seven with Doug Marone. And now Sean McDermott has put the Buffalo Bills franchise over the top now we are an above average organization and we are seeing the results right we are winning games to a to a nice clip where we are amongst the best with the rest of the nfl and who would have thought the buffalo Bills since 2016 would be amongst the best regular season teams in the nfl so that that's a, a great statistic for our organization but then again, it also shows you have the Rams up there. You have uh, New Orleans up there. You have Seattle up there. You have Pittsburgh up there. None of those teams won any Super Bowls, <laughs> right? right? So uh, the wins in the regular season are great, but we want a couple of more wins in the playoffs to hoist that Lombardi trophy. But it's great to see. Yeah, I mean, the last two seasons, 23-9 and nine for yep. McDermott and the Bills. Um the one record that I don't think that they're too happy with is two and two in the playoffs. So if you know what I'm saying, correct. but I think that we're going to improve on that. You know, the more, the more experience you get. And one thing I've learned about Sean McDermott is that there's always something from the previous year that didn't work out that the next season, they seem to, they progress and they get it right. Like he talks about, you know, staying humble and hungry and his habits and stuff like that. Like Sean McDermott's that guy he preaches or he practices what he preaches. And he learns and gets better. And I thought his in-game management last season, minus the Kansas City Chiefs AFC Championship game, I thought he was, he was I mean, going forward on fourth down, doing a whole bunch of shit that they typically don't do. And the Bills became an offensive team last year, which is crazy, mm-hmm. crazy to say for a defensive-minded head coach that we have an offensive-minded team. So mm-hmm. it's, it's just absolutely insane. So, all right. So that's it for this week in Buffalo. That's it for Tweet This. So now we're going to get to the meat and potatoes of the show, which is the Bills wide receiver roster. So I'm going to put up four guys, and this is how we're going to do it, because I think four guys we can all agree on. I think most of us can agree on. These guys are locks for the roster. I don't want to talk about what happened in social media with Cole Beasley. If anybody else tells me that they think that Emmanuel Sanders is not going to be on this roster, I I swear I'm going to lose my mind. So these guys right here – Akeem, would you agree these four guys are locks for the roster? Most definitely. Diggs, Beasley, Sanders, Gabriel Davis are definite locks to make the Buffalo Bills roster. I think uh, this this is going to be a lot of our uh, four receiver sets. Yeah, I agree too. And a lot of people, they're talking about Manuel Sanders because of his age, but he got a $6 million contract. That's not... That's not, that. That's a wide receiver two contract, I think. Um, for a guy his age in a salary cap straps offseason, I think he got a wide receiver two contract. On top of the fact that Brandon Bean tried, he's tried to get him three times. 
He tried to get him, I believe, during the trade deadline of 2019. He tried to get him uh, before last season, as we all know. Um, and he went out and traded for Stefan Diggs instead after he called and Emmanuel Sanders said, I'm going to sleep on it and I'll give you my decision in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, they went out and got Diggs. Um, and then he signed him this offseason. So and Emmanuel Sanders says that he has a connection with Brandon Bean. Uh, mm-hmm. And his goal is to win a Super Bowl in Buffalo. So let's talk about the first guy here. All right. We all know about the accolades. We all know about leading the league in receptions, targets, yards. So let me ask you this. Let's break this down a different way. You know, this will be a two-part question for you and for the 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 chat. What can Stefan Diggs do that can become remotely close to what he was able to accomplish last season in your eyes? And then give me your um I guess prediction for what you think he'll do this season as far as you don't have to give me like stat line like specifics but mm-hmm. how you feel he's gonna he's gonna finish the season as long as stefan Diggs is healthy he's going to continue to be that alpha male number one wide receiver for the buffalo bills as long as he's healthy i'm not talking about statistics he 127 receptions, 1535 yards. It's 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 not easy to mirror. So you know? so let me. I don't want to cut you. I keep cutting you off, man. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. But but we're we're brothers, so that's what we do. So, did you ever fathom when you saw that news come by? The Bills have acquired Stefan Diggs. Did you ever think that he would put up 127 receptions, smashing a record, 1535 yards, smashing a record? For, for the Bills, did you ever think that he was going to do that? Not just forever, but in year one. No, during a pandemic off season. No, no, and, and and whoever did think that, like you told me before the show, whoever did think that is lying, lying their asshole. <laughs> for we sure. didn't think we didn't. 100%. Now, now, 80, 90 receptions, yeah, possible. Twelve hundred, thirteen hundred yards, yeah, possible. Maybe. That that's that's what probably I, uh most of us fans would would probably think in first in the first year, but to do what he did with 127 receptions, over 1500 yards, six receptions every game of the season, including the playoffs, nobody thought of that. Nobody thought of that, and I'm not expecting those numbers this year. <laughs> those numbers were so crazy last year. Uh, I'm expecting a de- a decrease in his statistical performance. But still the same level of play. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah. And Brent says 110 and 1200 yards be a great follow up. Here's my thing. And, and you know, I like to look at things like upside down and sideways and, and look through walls and shit. But like, there was John Brown was, was not really a factor last year because Correct. of his injuries, right? He was on the field, off the field. And when he was healthy, I don't feel like he was that huge of a part of what they did because of Cole Beasley and the emergence of Gabriel Davis. Do you think because of the addition of Emmanuel Sanders that this is going to take away targets from Diggs? Because Diggs led the league in targets, and that was with Cole Beasley leading the league in yards from the slot. That was with the emergence of Gabe Davis. And when John Brown was healthy, he contributed somewhat. What, what's your What's your thoughts on that? Like, Does Emmanuel Sanders affect what – the bills do with digs this year or does it does does it just not matter uh it's going to matter i think it's going to matter statistically 
like I said, I'm not sure if, uh, if Stefan Diggs is going to put up just as good or better numbers than he did last year. And you alluded to John Brown being hurt. Uh, let's, th- let's take some things uh, into perspective, right? The Buffalo Bills ran uh, 15% of their offensive plays in four wide receiver sets in 2020. That was second in the NFL. That was, that was with John Brown being hurt most of the season. Mm-hmm. So I'm starting to think that even with us ranked second in the NFL in four wide receiver sets, John Brown's injury still limited us from what we wanted to do in going into our four wide receiver sets even more than the 15% that was second in the NFL last year. So a healthy Emmanuel Sanders coming into the fold, having that alpha male mentality, having the versatility he has where he can play anywhere. He could play the X, he could play the Y, he could play the Z. And having guys along with Emmanuel Sanders, like a progressing Gabriel Davis, uh, mm-hmm. all those things have to play in the factor in, in Stefan Diggs' statistical production. And I don't think he's going to mirror uh, what he did last year because of the addition of Emmanuel Sanders and because of the progression of Gabriel Davis. That's a great point. Everybody's talking about the other receivers. We're going to talk about every single receiver on the roster. We're not going to leave no stone unturned, I promise. So you brought up Emmanuel Sanders, so I'll, I'll put him up there now. Not not a bad season for a 33-year-old receiver. 61 receptions, 726, five touchdowns. I know he was in a pass-heavy um, Saints offense, <clears throat> but has anybody watched this man run routes? I know Akeem has. This, this guy is going to get open. Mm-hmm. And this is why I'm correlating to talking about him and why why I said what I said about Diggs. I think Diggs is still going to have somewhere around 100 receptions because I think that that's just the Bills are just built to just run four wide receiver sets. I don't care if anybody says they're going to try to establish run or not. I think that what if it's working still, they're going to still keep going with it. And I think it's going to continue to work because Josh, I think, has figured a lot of stuff out with how he can beat you if you're playing zone, if you're playing press man. It's just I, I think the addition of Gabriel or Emmanuel Sanders, I feel like is going to also warrant a lot of attention, which is going to benefit back to Stefan Diggs because John Brown was not a guy that was going to get the contested catches. And the league knows that that Emmanuel Sanders will get contested catches. He will fight you for one-on-one balls. He will. He will go after that. He runs more of the route tree than than John Brown does. He knows every route that's possible. He can beat mm-hmm. you on the outside. He can beat you deep, you know, mm-hmm. over the top. He can beat you underneath. He can line up in the slot. He can do all that stuff. So mm-hmm. it's going to be very interesting to see the dynamic between the two because, as we all know, and I talked about it earlier that they tried to sign Emmanuel Sanders. Do you think that Emmanuel Sanders would have had the type of season that Stephon Diggs did last year without Stephon Diggs? Like if no. the Bills actually no. went and got Emmanuel Sanders? No. No. What kind, what type of number <laughs> what type of numbers do you think that he would have put? And I'm not comparing the two and saying which one right now is better and all that stuff. I'm just saying, right. can you just imagine if last year wide receiver 1 was Emmanuel Sanders? What's yeah. your thoughts on that? I think that Emmanuel Sanders would have better production uh, in a Buffalo Bills uniform last year than he had with the New Orleans Saints. Yes, I agree. I I think that do I think it would be to the magnitude of Stefan Diggs? No. So it would be in between Stefan Diggs and 
between the season he had with the Saints last year. That's what I think uh, Emmanuel Sanders would have did with the Buffalo Bills. But yeah, Christian, go ahead. Go ahead. I, but I, I, I want to touch on uh, a couple of things with <clears throat> Emmanuel Sanders and, and with John Brown, the whole correlation. John Brown yeah. brought John Brown was stationary and he brought speed. Right. He brought speed. But he was a, he's a fast receiver, but he was for the most part, he played one position at, at, at the wide receiver position. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders allows the Buffalo Bills to expose mismatches. And uh, uh, with Emmanuel Sanders playing all three positions, I think Gabriel Davis is versatile where he can play all three positions. And now Stefan Diggs is also versatile to play multiple positions. So when you have so much receivers with so much versatility, we can now put Stefan Diggs in favorable matchups. Uh, throughout the course of the game and so and we could do the same thing with Emmanuel Sanders and, and Gabriel Davis so the versatility uh helps the Buffalo Bills offensively and I think the the identity of Emmanuel Sanders would would be an upgrade for the Buffalo Bills offense as a whole yeah I um I think that signing a guy like Emmanuel Sanders is it feeds right into Brian Dable and what he does as far as um mismatches right because that's we were we were told mm-hmm. so long for you know starting mm-hmm. in 2000 in in 19 it's going to be mismatched 2020 or 2018 2019 2020 it was all about this guy creates mismatches for his players to put themselves to be put into positions to be successful so um there was a question from chris janky are we concerned about emmanuel sanders injury um history i think that a couple of people haven't I've heard a couple of people talk about the 17 game season and what it means for like snap counts. I think you're going to start to see that players are going to be put on snap counts there. We may not see as many four wide receiver sets because of that extra game, because down the stretch, I mean, our, our bye week is so early this year that they may be put on snap counts where we may try to install run packages for that, you know, specific games to try to give these guys a, a little bit of a breather on top of the fact that this, wide receiver roster as we'll get into is is deep it's extremely deep so they have the depth you know i'm not saying they're going to sit guys it's not the nba the guys aren't going to take games off but if you got a guy maybe one game he gets 15 reps the next game he gets 45 the next game he gets 60 whatever it is i think that they're going to have to work that in and i don't not a lot of people are are, are are talking about that because you're adding a whole extra game of getting of contact football you know especially for running backs. Like there's going to be times when it's, it's a whole other game of car crashes every time you touch the ball. So mm-hmm. um, I saw a super chat in here from Scott. I'm going to get to that right now. Uh, let me throw that up there. Not a homie take best wide receiver in the NFL. The depth is crazy. Good. Also think they will keep seven Hodgins, McKenzie and Stevenson to round out room. Thank you, my guy, Scott, you, you mm. watch every video and you always throw comments in there. I appreciate the support and following um, in the donation. Um, we're going to get into, but before we wrap up the show, me and Akeem are going to talk about which guys we think are going to make the roster um, and how many we think the Bills are going to carry on, on the 53. But I appreciate that, man. All right, so we talked about we talked about Diggs. We talked about Emmanuel Sanders. Sanders, yep. So let's talk about this guy. Let's talk football about Cole Beasley. Um, this guy led all slot receivers in yards last year. And I don't care if you line up Tyreek Hill in the slot for a hundred snaps a game or a hundred snaps a season. He's not a slot receiver. Um, this is the best slot receiver in the NFL. And this, a lot of stuff proved it last year. Um, the ability to not just, you know, line up in the slot, but the ability to just be that safety blanket, you know, in his, 
you know, second season with Josh, um, the carryover that that they had from season one to season two together, I think it showed it showed right away um, starting the season. So what's what's your expectations from Beasley knowing that the fibula the fibula injury is not as bad apparently as it was made out to be when when social media dropped it, you know, when it first came out that oh my god, he prayed with a broken fibula. Um, because apparently that's an injury that you can come back from. And he, he looks like he was healthy in, in training camp. So what, what's your thoughts on Cole Beasley? Is he going to continue this trend two consecutive seasons of where he's had a career season, whether it be receptions, yards, TDs, whatever it is? What's your thoughts? So Cole Beasley, his first year, 67 receptions, 778 yards, six touchdowns. His second year with the Buffalo Bills, 82 receptions, 967 yards, four touchdowns. I believe his third season is going to be in between his first two seasons. Uh, The weapons that we have, we have Emmanuel Sanders now. Uh, I, I fully expect Josh Allen to utilize the check down some and go to the running backs. I fully expect Matt Breida to be involved with the offense somehow some way so because of uh more weapons more hands in the pot cole beasley's still going to be successful he's still going to be amongst the elite slot wide receivers in the nfl uh but i'm not sure if he's going to have as much yards can he get an uptick in touchdowns he had four touchdowns last season yes i think that's definitely possible i think he could get about six seven touchdowns this season so we'll see about that i think he's going to be that 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 sturdy presence that he's been since he came over to the Buffalo Bills, and I believe he's going to get in the end zone more than four times this season. I couldn't agree with you more. All right, next guy, Gabriel Davis. So not a lot of people know that he was second amongst rookie wide receivers in touchdowns last year, almost 600 yards. So what's your what's your thoughts? A lot of people say that it was a a trickle-down effect because of the coverage that was warranted by Diggs. What, what's your thoughts? No film on him? You know, what, what's what's your overall thought? I think it is a combination with those things, but we cannot discredit the, the, the athletic ability, the play potential of Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis is a solid football player. Gabriel Davis is a high-character guy, tireless worker, and he wants to get better. And this offseason – he has well, we was talking about the pandemic and uh players not having that offseason to to really hone in on their game and, and develop and get better. Well, Gabriel Davis have that this year. He has that to his advantage and to his arsenal. And we're talking about a guy that's 6'3, 215, 216 pounds, strong hands, and the success he had last year. I I, I can't imagine him taking a step back. I think Gabriel Davis is going to be one of those successful fourth-round picks that's going to carve out a nice career as a as a high-end number two wide receiver in this NFL before it's all said and done. I expect big things from Gabriel Davis in this in this upcoming season. I'm gonna put this comment back up here because this is funny, Mr. Perimeter. So that that comment is funny because his awareness for the sidelines for a rookie. Second mm. to none. So I, I, I don't I don't like the people saying that well it was just he was always wide open because of the, the coverage warranted by Diggs or they were trying to cover Beasley underneath or they weren't trying to let John Brown get over top. But I, I think the kid is special. And yes. you know, <clears throat> he could have had ten touchdowns. He had three called back. He could have had eleven actually. He had one he dropped one too. 
Um, and I think that the camaraderie that he has with Stefan Diggs, being able to learn from him, being able to learn from Cole Beasley, um, I think I think he's going to be special, and he gets open. And I think what I need to see, I think I need to see is that physicality that you were talking about. I need to see his big body in action where he goes up in the end zone with two defenders around him, and I, I need to see those contested catches um, because a lot of his passes he was open. But kudos to him. I mean, he's running the routes, right? So, I mean, that's kudos to him. I think he's going to have a, a really good season. I think it's going to be, you know, around 50 receptions. Um, I don't know if he'll have seven or eight touchdowns, but it all it all depends. It all depends on how they dice. And you bought you brought up Matt Breida, and I th- I, I I gotta say I I would not put it past the Bills to use him in other roles other than a running back. There's just too much speed that Brian Dable covets in his offense to get a guy like Matt Breida and to have him just inactive on game day or give him four carries, um, or even if it's just maybe an occasional screen pass, I think you can do other things with him. Um, he's an exceptional pass catcher out of the backfield, and if, if he's in open space, he's gone. So now, now in terms of in terms, and you're absolutely right again with 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 Matt Breida, and we could talk about more of that in a second if you if you want to. But Gabriel Davis and and people are right, and I see that a lot. A lot of people say, well, Gabriel Davis. Uh, he was wide open on a lot of his on a lot of his catches, but I will say, think about the de- the degree of difficulty on some of his catches, though. Exactly. The degree the degree of difficulty Gabriel Davis had on some of his catches was was, in my opinion, amazing. If we had a football version of horse, right? You know how like basketball players <laughs> like to play horse. If we had yeah. a football version of horse, I don't <laughs> see a lot of Buffalo Bills receivers. Winning that game of horse against Gabriel Davis with the diff- degree yeah. of difficulty some of his catches were. So because of that degree of difficulty, I I, I think Gabriel Davis is going to be a is going to be a household name in a couple of years. Man. The the catch against the Dolphins in the back of the end zone when he had to dive when Josh extended that play and he just he just was waiting for Davis to make a move and he was looking at Davis almost the whole time. He was watching him run. You could watch Josh. He was watching him run across the back of the end zone and put it only where first off the pass was, was perfect. It was in a spot where only Davis was going to be able to make a, a plan. There was two defenders right in front of him mm-hmm. and comparing that to, you know, he's a fourth round pick comparing that to the stuff that we tried to have with Zay Jones. Mm-hmm. It's insane. And and that the, the, the sideline catches the toe drag swag, Mr. Perimeter that just proves like he's doing things that a five, six, seven, eight year vet, still doesn't do in the NFL. So I think that's why we're going to be in good hands with him. So now we talked about the four locks, right? So let's talk. Let's talk about the rest, right? Mm. This is the rest of the bills wide receiver roster in no specific, excuse me. We've put this in no specific order. We have Josh's boy from Wyoming, Tanner Gentry. We got a guy that I love and I'll talk about in a minute. Isaiah Hodgins. We got touchdown. Jesus back. After his after he left, he was he was taken off the practice squad by Seattle. He's come back. That's Aaron Rodgers' boy, Jake Kumaro. Isaiah McKenzie, a little dirty. We got Lance Lenore, who we just mm-hmm. signed a couple weeks ago. Brandon Powell, who we signed early in the offseason. Our, our draft pick, Marquez Stevenson, which a lot of fans are falling in love with this guy because of his speed. And then Duke Williams, who, yes. He's still here? Still, he's still on the roster. 
Duke Williams, <laughs> still on the roster. All right. So how do you want to do this? Do you want to let, let, do you want to eliminate guys first? Put them uh, on practice squad first. What do we want to do? Because this is eight guys. We already have four. Okay. So how? Okay, let's let's do it this way. Let's do it this way. Like how many it. wide receivers do you think the Bills are going to carry on the fifty-three? The final fifty-three. Six. Six wide, six wide receivers. All right, it's going to get interesting now. Yeah, six wide receivers right. the Buffalo Bill will keep. And just so everybody knows, we didn't discuss this before the show. Right. And me and Aris right. usually agree on 99.9% of everything. We don't agree on this. So this is going to be fun. All right. Yeah. Eliminate some folks for me. Eliminate. Tell, and give me give me your reasoning why and what you would do with them. And you're the okay. GM. You're Brandon Bean right now. And you're making final roster cuts. What are you doing and why? Okay. Well, well, Lance Lenore is gone. I don't think we have to talk too much about that. So is Brandon Powell. Brandon Powell, Lance Lenore will be cut, in my opinion. Uh, we're going to move on to Duke Williams. I always felt that Duke Williams should probably slide the tight end to try to see if he can make the roster. But I believe this is going to be the last year of the of the Duke Williams story, right? So Duke Williams, Brandon Powell, Lance Lenore is gone. I do believe Marquez Stevenson will be a practice squad player. Marquez Stevenson will be a practice squad player. I understand that he has elite speed. I'm just not sure if he's uh, football ready to take to take down a, a, a roster spot. And Tanner Gentry is is Josh Allen's boy, but uh, I don't think he's going to make the initial 53 man roster. If he uh, surprises people, he can be a practice squad candidate. Now, I want to get into, in my opinion the fifth receiver for the Buffalo Bills, and that's Isaiah McKenzie. Isaiah McKenzie, uh, I don't think is safe per se because, of course, you have to earn your job. You have to earn your spot. But I do feel that uh, he's in the driver's seat. And as long as that Isaiah McKenzie doesn't shit the bed in training camp, <laughs> as long as he doesn't shit the bed, I believe he's going to have a roster spot uh, 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 to uh to to his grab, I think he's gonna definitely make the roster. We're talking about a guy that improves statistically every season since coming over to the Buffalo Bills. He was released from the Denver Broncos in 2017 because he had six fumbles in that season. He hasn't fumbled since, right? He's improved statistically every year. He's more he's more than a gadget player. He is the Buffalo Bills backup slot receiver. And I think Isaiah McKenzie is going to make this team uh, in, in a role as a kick returner and or punt returner as well. So I do believe Isaiah McKenzie is going to be the fifth wide receiver. And the sixth wide receiver uh, that I have making the roster for the Buffalo Bills is Jake Kumaro. Jake Kumaro. What? Jake I was just about to ask you, did you forget Kumaro? What, you didn't do anything with him. Ah, I have Kumaro. I have Kumaro making. I have Kumaro making this hold roster. On. Hold, hold. On. Yes, Jay Kumaro. What? 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 Yeah, yeah. I, and I know a lot of people love Isaiah Hodgins. I know a lot of people love him, but I haven't. What? I haven't seen anything from Isaiah Hodgins to oh warrant to to warrant a spot. I'm not a fan. Of 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 putting guys on the roster based on what I see without pads on. 
<laughs> I'm not that type of guy. There is a reason why Aaron Rodgers loves white Jesus. There is a reason for that. White Jesus came uh, over to the Buffalo Bills, and I know there's only one catch, one play, but that was a laser from Josh Allen. He made that play. Aaron Rodgers love him. I think white Jesus makes this roster as the sixth wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. Wow. Yes. Well, hold, hold on. <laughs> oh, that's hot. That's hot. That's three for you in one show. You got to stop. All right, so... Let me pull the graphic back up. So we got the four, right? We got mm-hmm. Diggs, Beasley, Sanders, and Gabe Davis. And then you got Isaiah McKenzie is number five. Jake Kumaro is number six. And then everybody else. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming you're putting Hodgins on the practice squad. Yes, Hodgins and Marquez Stevenson will be on the practice you squad. You put Isaiah yep. Hodgins on the practice squad. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. Gone. Bye. Going another think team. so? Why do you think they didn't put him on the practice squad last year? They put him on IR for the whole year because he was going to get stolen mm-hmm. until he until he was healthy later in the season, and then they they kind of toyed around with what they were going to do with him. Now, but now, now again, I hope I hope he does make the scene. Don't get me wrong; he is drafted right. by the Buffalo Bills and in that regime, so he has the right. indoor track, the inside track. But I just haven't seen. I have to see what he does with the pads on. So until I until I, I see that until I see that this is where I this is where I will remain, and my stance may change once I see the pads and and, and him play. Then, and we'll do a fifty three man roster prediction show like after the buzz with training camp and stuff like mm-hmm. that, like we did last year, right before the season starts. That way, mm-hmm. or right before they act, the team does their cutdowns after we get our own eyes on these players in training camp and hear the buzz about what everybody's doing. Um, Vlad says, I wish we can keep nine wide receivers. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to give you my list, right? The first four are locks. Yep. We can all agree on that. So guys that I'm going to cut Duke Williams. Mm -hmm. I think the Duke Williams experiment is over. I feel like putting him on the practice squad really does nothing because we've done that for two years straight. We called him up. He played in some some games. He played in a big game, which was the playoff game. And I, I just don't I don't see what else we can do. We drafted both McKenzie or we drafted both Hodgins and Gabe Davis, same body type to be his replacement. How he's still hanging around, kudos to him he is, but I think this is the year we cut ties. Lance Lenore. I think that's a camp body that was brought in to push whoever our return man's going to be. Um, I don't think he makes the roster. Brandon Powell, same with him. He's been a journeyman. I think he's going to push guys, but that's about it. Depth piece. Um, so then it gets interesting, right? Tanner Gentry, I believe, will make – he'll. I think Tanner Gentry is going to be that, that guy in training camp that people are going to fall in love with, like, you know, Brandon Riley – and guys like that that they they fell in love with, and then he goes on the practice squad, and people are like, he's got to make the roster. It's Josh's guy from Wyoming. <clears throat> I think he goes on the practice squad. I think he spends, if if not all, most of the season on the practice squad. Next guy to the practice squad is Jake Kumaro. He's going to the practice squad. What? Why is he going? Yes, he's going to the practice squad, my friend. 
Really? So you think, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. <clears throat> sorry to cut you off. Let me get some water. Hold on. Touche, touche. So the Buffalo Bills, they got Jake, they got Kumaro, they lost Kumaro to the Saints, and then they got back Kumaro again. There is a reason that they that they're infatuated with Kumaro. There is a reason they let him go though in the first place. He was playing special teams. He played like fifty percent of the special team snaps when he was when he was active. And then they're like, "All right, we'll put you on practice squad." We know that you could get taken, and they didn't even try to pull him up to the active roster and let the Saints have him. Interesting. Do you value him better as a wide receiver or a special teams player? I mean, I know how this team values special teams contributors but there's a ton of other guys that do that on the roster a ton of them i'm gonna give you my theory on i don't think that these wide receivers are going to be fighting against each other they're fighting against like forrest lamp they're fighting against guys on the defensive line like a justin zimmer to make this roster an extra Mm. linebacker Mm. they're fighting against those guys for a roster spot because that's what it's going to come down to you got Four guys sitting there. One of them just happens to be a wide receiver. Which one's going to give you more? Which one has more value to the team overall? You know what I'm saying? So, but we'll get there. I'll get there. I'll explain a little bit more. People are like, what the hell are you talking about? I'll get, I'll get there. All right. I think that the Bills are keeping seven. Isaiah Hodgins. Really? Isaiah McKenzie and Marquez Stevenson are all making this roster. Wow. I think Marquez Stevenson is going to do punt returns. I think Isaiah McKenzie is going to do kick returns. And I think Isaiah Hodgins makes this roster. I really do. I think that there was too much buzz around what – and I know you haven't seen anything from him and blah, blah, blah. He was supposed to be better than Gabe Davis was last year. Chad Johnson said that he was better. He was the one of the best receivers he's ever seen come out of the draft in the last 10 years. That's Chad Johnson. That's that's Ocho Cinco. That's that's saying something. So, I think that if he didn't have the injury last year, I think he would have been on the roster last year. And he's already been turning heads in training camp. Nobody's talked anything about what Jake Kumaro has done in training camp. It's all been about any of the wide receivers. It's been it's been Isaiah Hodgins and how good he looks this training camp. And I feel mm-hmm. like the Bills have something invested in him. Mm-hmm. They've drafted him. They've they they have they see a future in him, and I think once training camp hits, once preseason hits, that's why I'm so in love with preseason this year. Is I can't wait to see these guys get out there. But I I think he makes the roster, and I think Isaiah McKenzie is absolutely expendable, absolutely expendable. I don't think he's a lock, but I think he makes the roster. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense because I think way. you have you have Marquez Stevenson right there, and he you you can have him do other things. And I think Marquez Stevenson will be a wide receiver on this active roster as a wide receiver and not just a not just a return guy in the future. Probably not this year. I think he just he he you know he gets his feet wet with the team in the NFL, returning punts, maybe eventually returning kicks. His breakaway speed, M- McKenzie's fast, yes, but Marquez Stevenson for a guy his size, his breakaway speed is second to none of a guy I've seen coming out of college. It's just it's insane. And if people haven't watched him return punts and kicks from college, go back. I implore you to go back and watch. He's going to create some buzz. And I'm telling you, he's going to push McKenzie. And I know McKenzie keeps finding these this way back on the roster. He's taking these team-friendly deals. 
you know, he wants to play for Skittles and M&Ms and shit like that. But these guys are coming for him. And, and I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he makes his way back on the roster. But I think they carry seven. I think this is the year that coming off of historic offensive season for the Buffalo Bills in 2020, you just keep, you have weapons, just use them, just utilize them. And, and unfortunately, if it means not having an extra offensive lineman on game day, or defensive and, linemen. And, and that's my and that's my concern right there. My concern with that take. It I love the take. And I and I, I would be all for the Buffalo Bills carrying seven wide receivers. But my thing is this. What about the running back situation? We've been yeah. talking up, we've been talking about getting a speed back with Zach Moss <clears throat> and Devin Singletary. We finally got a Matt Breida. He presents that other dynamic. Of, he brings that different dimension. Taiwan Jones seems like he's cemented with the Buffalo Bills, and that would be four running backs. I don't see yeah. four running backs and seven receivers. So that's where that's where I'm conflicted. If we have seven receivers, uh, that's fine. But that means is, yeah. is Breida is Breida going to make this roster? Are we going to roll out yeah, Devin oh, Singletary absolutely. and Zach Moss again? Absolutely. If anything, so, he he would. And I hate to say this, but if anything, it's all it's all about what what Sean McDermott and Brian Dable value on game day. Do you want another guy to throw passes to, or do you want another guy mm -hmm. to carry the ball? Because last year they, the trend was, and ever since T.J. Yeldon was here, even back to 2019, it was two running backs on game day, not counting Taiwan Jones. It was mm -hmm. two running backs on game day, and mm -hmm. T.J. Yeldon was inactive almost mm -hmm. every single game. Mm -hmm. of, of the last two years because that's they had to have 10 defensive linemen. They had to have an extra offensive lineman. I think that – I don't know. And I think that we're talking about the team progressing and Josh Allen progressing and Sean McDermott progressing and adapting and growing and changing. I think you have to look at what just happened in the AFC Championship game. You mm -hmm. talk about being the Chiefs, beating the Chiefs, mm -hmm. right? You need more – dynamic playmakers on offense. And if that's a seventh wide receiver, a third running back, maybe you don't need to carry nine offensive linemen on game day. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I mean, yes, you want depth in case there's an injury, but I don't, I don't know. I just don't think that we need to have Forrest Lamp on the active roster. I really don't. The two rookies that we have, are you going to put them on the active roster? You have to, because if not, they're gone off the practice squad. So that takes up positions. And what I was talking about when I was leading off my reasoning is you I don't think that Jay Kumaro is is pushing Isaiah Hodgins. I think that Justin Zimmer is pushing Isaiah Hodgins. Mm -hmm. I think that Forrest Lamp and um who's it, Brian Hall that we got from Cincinnati, guys like that, the mm -hmm. the, the the fringe, you know, guys are right. pushing you know, are we going to keep Andre Smith? Do we need a guy that just plays special teams linebacker? He played more snaps than Medikevich at linebacker, but mm -hmm. are we going to keep him just because of what he does on special teams? Or can we have Wild Goose play special teams mm -hmm. and keep him? Mm -hmm. You know, same with, and have same him, with Taiwan Jones. Same with Taiwan you know Jones. what I'm saying? We that I don't, and I have never understood the fascination with having special teams only players. You draft players mm -hmm. every year, let them, you know get their feet wet. Let them get dirty by learning special teams. Mm -hmm. Let them, you know, you have guys 
like Damar Hamlin, who's probably going to try to fill in as Dean Marlowe, but maybe he's not. Put him on special teams. Jaquan Johnson, Saran Neal play special teams. Tyler Matakevich, you paid this guy to just play special teams a lot of freaking money. Mm-hmm. Like you have players that will play special teams. I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't like the fact of giving up a, a running back roster spot to a guy that that's all he does. It's all he does. Doesn't carry the ball at all. Put him out in a passing, <clears throat> a pass catching situation because the Bills can get the record for most re- people with touchdowns or most different receivers with touchdowns. He dropped the damn ball. Like I, I don't know. Maybe this is the year they cut ties with Taiwan Jones. If you're serious about competing with the Chiefs and being faster, more athletic, more dynamic on offense, you you bring Matt Breida, you carry him every game day with the other two guys. That's just my thoughts. Most definitely. Definitely, thoughts. I definitely definitely agree with that. Definitely agree with that. Let me hit the comment section because we're going they're going bananas. Caveman agrees with me. Love it, Caveman. Mad Cap. It'll be interesting to see how much Moss and Motor improve or not this season. Um, I don't think they declined last year. That may may or may not be a hot take. I don't think they specifically declined. I think that it was the scheme. The scheme was not to be a run run first team. It was run if you need to kind of later on because we're just going to pass, run four wide receiver sets and just pass all over everybody. What's your thoughts? Uh, I believe <clears throat> once, once we saw – the progression from Josh Allen, because, you know, of course they see what's going on, but it probably surprised them as well. You know, once we've seen that type of progression from Josh Allen, uh, that became the identity. And that's the identity that Brian Dable wanted. He wanted to, he wants to throw the ball all around the yard. And because of that, you're putting more uh, of a focus on passing the ball and throwing the ball. And when you're not putting a focus on running the ball, it, it, it shows, right? When I go, when I used to go to school and I took a test, I had a pretty good idea if I passed or failed that test before I got my actual result based on how I studied, right? The Buffalo bills are a passing team. And because of that, the scheme, the running scheme lacked. We lacked, uh, uh, we 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 lacked proper plays. I believe the predictability was was too much. The draw play predictability was too much and easy for for defense to to expose. Right. I believe the offensive line identity in the run scheme was in some flux. Are we going to be? a zone blocking team, a man team, or is Mitch Morse going to pull ever again and use his athleticism? So I think those are things that have to be worked on by the offensive coaching staff this offseason to get more mm-hmm. efficiency from the running game. Because we're not going to run the ball more anyway. We just want to be more efficient when right. we do run the ball. So That's, that's the correct – yeah, 100%. That's the exact – I think a lot of people – for whatever reason, want to throw shade at, at Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Now, Zach Moss, I think it's a pass. He was a rookie. He was injured. He had turf toe at the beginning of the season, and he got injured towards the end of the season in the playoffs. But Devin Singletary just didn't forget how to hit holes. Devin Singletary didn't just forget how to get outside. Mm-hmm. Devin Singletary just didn't forget how to make the first man miss. Like, it was scheme. And we went away from the scheme that was effective in 2019. Um, and, and to Aris's point, I think Dable is going to understand that 
there's going to be times when you need to run the football, no matter how dynamic Josh is. And everybody says, just let Josh cook. Who cares? Just if it's the fourth quarter and we're up by 10, just let, just keep passing. It's working. That's not going to always work. That's just not that you're going to play against teams that are built like the Kansas city chiefs. And there's teams that can come back on you in the fourth quarter when you need to chew clock and you need to be effective first down, first downs, first downs and drain clock. And there's, Mm -hmm. there's going to be times when you have to do it. Now, am I saying that I want the bills to be, you know, even 60, 40 split between pass and run? No, but I want them to be able to do it, do it effectively. And I think they have the guys that can do it. Um, A lot of people were pounding the table for drafting a running back. And you clearly saw they took, they drafted none. Mm. They didn't even sign any in the offseason as undrafted free agents. They went with the crop that they had last year. They brought Matt mm. Breida in, and that was mm. it. So, you know, I, I just – I think I, we're I, fine. I, I think yeah, we're fine I, with I, the running backs. I, we added I, a different dimension in Matt Breida, which I, I think we needed. Sorry to cut you off. No, you're I think good. which I think we needed because it, it was a question up here of uh, uh, Breida over Williams. I do have Breida over, over Williams because yeah. because of who we have already on the team, right? We yeah. we don't want that. Red- we have some redundancy already, and Matt Breida right. changes that dimension. So I, uh, I I believe we're fine with the running backs, man. As long we have a whole off season for our coaching staff yeah. to improve our running game, and I think that's all we need. And I think what I think what me and A Rich should do is next week we'll talk about the running backs. It's off season, yeah. baby. It's uh, yeah. it's that dry time of year. We got a month until training camp, so we'll we'll touch on running backs. We'll do that next week. I know we broke down all the offense part one, part two, but um, I think that me and A Rich both have some unique perspectives on what was up with the running game in two thousand nineteen or two thousand twenty, and where it can be in two thousand twenty one, because. I, I think that we talked last year. We wanted Matt Breida. I thought that it was something that would have been a win-win. And here's the thing: when Le'Veon Bell, now a talent like Le'Veon Bell, at the time when he became a free agent, when the Jets released him, Brandon Bean was in on it, so he knows that there's something different that's needed to kind of jumpstart maybe this offense a little bit. Not saying that. He's going to be better than those two, but it's different, right? Matt Breed is definitely different. He brings that speed element um, that the other two guys don't have. We'll touch on it next week. I don't want to. I don't want to do a whole rest of the show on that. But and I want to. I want to. I want to say something to that, right? Yeah, with the whole Le'Veon Bell situation, because people was probably confused that the Buffalo Bills went after Le'Veon Bell, but they didn't go after a running back in the off season. Well. You can't get better during the season, right? <laughs> so Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, they're already made for that season. They are who they are. So they had them th- those type of struggles. And because of those struggles, with a guy like Le'Veon Bell coming in to the fold as a possible free agent that could fill a void, we tried to upgrade that position because during the season, it's not much better your first and second year running backs are going to get. But now we have a whole offseason, a whole offseason where our running backs can progress and see what they did wrong and hone in on their on on the things that they need to work on. And I think uh, the coaching staff, along with individual progression from players, uh, we're going to be just fine in the running department, and especially with adding speed in that backfield. I agree. In this comment right here, there's a reason why I put this one up. 
I believe to my point that if we keep if we keep seven, I think Isaiah McKenzie, if if they figure out a way to in, install Brita into the offense, maybe they keep six, and I think that McKenzie might be the odd man out because Brita can do all of this right here. Brita can run jet sweeps. Brita can catch yeah. bubble screens. Yeah. Brita, Brita can line up as a receiver. He did it in Kyle Shanahan's offense in San Francisco. He they lined him up in the slot. He he can he can do all of that stuff. So I want I want to see preseason and I want to see what kind of packages that they're going to install with the run game and see if it's progressed and taken a step in the right direction. Um, and there there was a let me get this one here. Oh. And while you're looking for the comment, I want to ask you right quick. It's a little bit off topic, but we're talking about seven receivers and four running backs. Yeah. Is Jake Fromm going to be on this roster? Because are we going to have three running backs or two? Because now that I'm thinking seven receivers, I'm thinking four running backs. I, I, I don't see the Buffalo Bills keeping more than Josh Allen and Mitchell Trubisky because of these conversations we're having with the offensive skill positions. I think you can land Jake Fromm on the practice squad. Mm. I don't know. It's going to be interesting because they haven't had four quarterbacks in quite some time that mm -hmm. one guy, they love Davis Webb, right? They let him yep. run all the practices last year when they were down in Florida. I mean, yep. Dable was calling the plays into him and he was calling the plays and all that stuff. They love Davis Webb. They just love his intelligence. And I think that he's like a coach, another coach in that, in that quarterback room, but they drafted Jake from the fifth round and Brandon Bean loves him. He mm. said, how could you not take the guy? If he's sitting there in the fifth round, he was the best player on the board in the fifth round. How mm. could you not take him? He was a projected first round pick the year previous. Mm. So they, again, they don't know what they have in Jake from other than what you see in practice because he was in the, he was the quarantine quarterback last year. He right. didn't, he didn't participate. There was no preseason for him to get involved in the offense. He runs the scout team. Like he, so it's going to, I don't think that Jake Fromm makes the roster. I think that he's the – or I'm sorry, Davis squad. Webb makes the roster. I think Jake Fromm goes on the practice squad. I don't know if somebody would take him because they have no film on him. He'd mm. just be like drafting a Jake right. Fromm, right? You take him, it's right. just like he's a, he was like redshirted. The, the new term in the NFL now for having rookies not play <clears throat> is redshirting them, right? So he mm. was basically redshirted all last year. He wasn't even around the team for most, right. most of the season. So – the Bills don't have the luxury of designating somebody as a quarantine quarterback. I don't believe they're going to do that this year. Right. So that's a good question. Um, I, I I don't think he is – the Bills carried two last year. The Bills carried two the year before. I think that, that's their MO is carry two. Um, and then have somebody as an uh, emergency quarterback. It's There's too many other spots like the defensive line that McDermott loves his rotation. The offensive line – um, they like to carry a couple extras game day. I just, our safeties, we have a, a bunch of safeties because a bunch of them play special teams. So mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, we were thin at linebacker last year. So are they going to carry an extra one based off of learning what happened last year with injuries to Milano and Edmonds in week one, mm -hmm. playing through those the rest of the season? So yeah. I put this up here, um, because this is a good point that we didn't really touch on in the run game. This keeps the defense honest and opens up play action passing, which I think all last year we were pounding the table for more play action passing because of how good Josh is on play action passing. You know, the RPO yep. stuff, you know, things like that. Josh is Josh excels in that stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see what, what they roll out with because 
I just don't think that Matt – Matt Breed is too much of a talent to have on your roster just to not use him. I think he's be, he's a lot better than TJ Yeldon was. He's younger. I just – you know, TJ Yeldon can give you certain things. Matt Breed can give you certain things. So it, it's going to – it'll be interesting. I just – we had Matt Breed on the roster for three years, and how many games did he play? Like three? Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, like TJ Yeldon, yep. Yeah. What did I say? Matt Breida. Oh, I'm TJ Yeldon. I'm sorry. Yeah. TJ Yeldon. And he played like he played like three games. And we were all pounding the table to have him activated all the time because of what he can do in the pass game, run blocking, all stuff like that. So um I think that's about it, man. So you got six, I got seven. I can't wait for our full 53 man roster breakdown because I think we're gonna butt heads some more. And I saw some comments. <laughs> Somebody was saying, finally, you guys don't agree on something. And it's yeah, nice yeah, to have you guys that. give different points of view for once. I've seen that. So, I've seen that. So that was that was nice. That was so nice. Um, I don't have anything else. Um, so I'm going to throw this out there, do a little housekeeping. So the mm-hmm. offseason's here, right? We sometimes need a little bit of a break as well, and it's good to do it during the offseason. Sometimes hey, Rich is going to take a break. Sometimes I'm going to take a break from here and there. Mm-hmm. So just know that once the season hits, it's going to be full on 100% go mode. So mm-hmm. you may see me with somebody else on the show. You may see a Rich with a different co-host. You may see a couple different people pop in in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to happen. It's a slow time, but we're still going to bring you as much content as possible. And I can tell you that we are working on some other other stuff, other shows that are coming. Um, if you guys follow us, you guys have seen other personalities on our channel with pre-recorded videos and some other shows. So there's, there's a lot more content coming um, mm. next week. Hey, we'll do the running backs next week. We'll break that down. Hey, Rich, you got anything else for the people? Uh, before we get nah, out man. I, I, I think this was an, an excellent show. It was very informative. I'm glad that we're, we're both back. The originators of Billsology is back. Uh, I appreciate Caveman, and I appreciate other hosts that come on the show. But sometimes it's, it's good to get back to to the comfort zone and myself dm3 we're back and uh we appreciate the the dialogue we appreciate uh the conversation for the for tonight's billsology and like dm3 said we're going to have different guys come in and out but once that season comes around we're going to be full force with pre-game post-game uh during the week stuff it's going to be full-fledged buffalo bills talk once that season comes around but we thank you and this has been an excellent show. Yeah, I, I I second everything you said. And to all of the loyal watchers that are here every single show and the new people that have, have checked this out, and if you guys are watching this on the replay, we appreciate each and every one of you guys because we can't do what we do unless you guys are here supporting us. So I appreciate you. Hey, Rich, I appreciate you, my brother. I'm sure I'll talk to you in about five minutes. To the masses, this has been Bill's Algae. As always, go Bills. Have a good weekend.